Welcome to the WP Campus podcast, a podcast for those using WordPress in higher education. Today, we're not going to talk about WordPress, or at least not just WordPress. On many campuses, it's not the only CMS in use. And if we start thinking about learning management systems and campus portals and all the many other ways that our schools use the web, WordPress is clearly just one part of a complex web landscape. My name is Brian DeConnick at NC State University. I'm joined by Eric Sembret, a developer and web manager with Georgia Tech's College of Engineering. Eric recently spoke at Hyad Web on the topic, Unbundle Your Institution, Building a Web CMS Ecosystem. Let's talk about Georgia Tech, how we can benefit from a holistic understanding of our web ecosystems and more. So welcome, Eric. Howdy, Brian. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for uh, for joining. Um, so let's just start off with some very general information. Uh, you want to talk about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, so, like many folks in higher ed, um, you know, I uh, I do a lot. So um, beyond working at Georgia Tech, um, where I'm a web manager for the College of Engineering. I also volunteer a lot of my time with building community both in Atlanta and within the neighboring Southeast, as well as within the University System of Georgia. So I'm working with, for example, our uh, University of Georgia school system on uh, uh, something called USG Web Tech Day, which is a one-day conference that combines all the web developers between uh, all of our are 31, I believe, institutions to help drive things like accessibility, best practices for content creation, uh, web content strategy, which we all encounter whether we're one or two or three person shops or institutions that have 30 to 40 web developers, which would be an amazing luxury if all of us had that. Um, and so, you know, all these opportunities allow me sort of to get an understanding of what's going on within higher education, both out, you know, within my institution, helping out with what I do at Georgia Tech, as well as outside, really, with institutions of all scales and sizes. So um, part of my uh, presentation to Hyatt Web was to try to sort of uh, find out the best methods and sort of uh, go with what the successes we made at Georgia Tech on how you can take the work that you've already done with web, whether it be in WordPress, whether it be in another content management system, whether you're evaluating content management systems, it's more scalable so that as you are staffing and as your needs grow and uh, decrease that you can, you know, sort of manage what goes on with web on campus and, you know, better your institution because of it. Well, let's uh, just cut right to the chase. What is the best method then? <laughs> you said you're, 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 you're looking at best methods. What is the best method for a campus that scales? Well, I mean, honest, business? so it, I kind of talked about this in my talk, but it really depends on your institution. But mm -hmm. the best method that I've found from working with Georgia Tech and other institutions within the university system in Georgia is that, you know, your campus web ecosystem is a very fluid situation. So at Georgia Tech, we went from something like we adopted Drupal, which is a, another content management system similar to WordPress. Uh, the major difference between Drupal and WordPress, for those who have never heard of Drupal, um, is that Drupal kind of sits like a, uh, a Lego blocks versus WordPress, which is more like pre-made Lego pieces. So instead of having you know a Lego piece that's, for example, a Star Wars X-Wing, you have these blocks that could make a ship, but it could also make anything else. 
using Drupal since um, 2009 or so. So we've got, oh Lord, eight years of experience with Drupal. And we found that sort of over time that rearranging and restructuring Drupal as a system to fit these different puzzle pieces or these different kinds of scenarios for kinds of websites you want to build really isn't an efficient use of our time. And more importantly, it builds products that are uh, somewhat shaky, uh, tend to be really hard to maintain, and tend to be one of those things where over time it tends to degrade pretty quickly. So what we've looked at there is really to try to reach out to our key users, um, find out what folks are using web for on campus and what roles they fit in and what kinds of websites they're building and try to build basically a set structure around there. So rather than finding something that works for everyone, trying to find something that works for your institution and what your institution is doing. So for Georgia Tech, areas we have, uh, well actually four if you count the sort of, we'll, we'll go with four. So the first case would be your heavy duty content management systems. Uh, your second case would be the more uh, low level content management systems, basically someone wanting to build a pretty simple website, but need help sort of building out a theme, building pages, working with menus. Then we have our third section, which we might as well call those legacy old, very small HTML websites. And then of course our fourth case, as you kind of alluded to, were our speci uh, specific applications, things like learning management systems, customer relationship management products, those kinds of specialized applications which are so heavily built for one purpose. And you can't really combine those with a content management system without having a bunch of overhead in terms of maintenance, support, flexibility, and long-term survival of the product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just want to say, when I sat through your talk at, at Hyatt Web, um, you know, I, I expected to be interested in it. I did not expect it to shake me to my core because really you were talking about a lot of things that that my campus deals with all the time and that I think about without always thinking about it, without really having the language to articulate, like this feeling of like we have all these things going on and there's there's there are no connections between them. They're all being uh, managed by different groups. They're all being um, uh, sort of managed with completely different mindsets of of how how they serve the university and what the expectations are for them. And you really presented this this vision of of how all of these different platforms and services can be interconnected and can really use each other to to have cohesive campus web thing. So um, you define in your talk a little bit of what you mean by your ecosystem and the, the, the parts that go into that ecosystem. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure, so uh, by a web ecosystem, um, I, in the talk I had mentioned that it's you know more or less a collection of platforms, tools, services, and assets. And what that allows you to do basically is sort of blend your campus web identity across whatever application exists as long as you have those inputs or API calls or the ability to add in that customization there. And so the idea with the web ecosystem is to start from the very bottom to work at what assets you have, things like branding, uh, logo, specific custom applications for your campus, the workflow for, for example, maybe your faculty staff directory, your news and services, and build that up to your actual platforms and content management systems. So with mm -hmm. platforms, I'm thinking more in terms of 
cloud hosting or sort of leveraging a third-party service to sort of handle the sysadmin and management of your platform or content management systems if you're sort of leveraging a pseudo VM approach to sort of have your websites be hosted somewhere centrally or within silos on your campus and sort of build up that best practices and sort of expected use cases and resource sets so that you're not getting any surprises when you move from platform to platform that you can still can have that identity your feature sets and yet let the users select what platform best works for them um, as an example you know, when I look at WordPress, I think of WordPress as a super awesome tool for uh, creating content that's honestly very aesthetically pleasing and works well with what I would consider uh, the web 2.0 world. So looking at things like YouTube and Twitter posts and all that good stuff, you can do the same in Drupal and it's certainly there are modules for that. However, the amount of time and resources it would take to build that up in a Drupal distribution for for example, it's a lot more than just installing a WordPress multi-site and having that live somewhere. Now, of course, um, you know, this web ecosystem isn't just a, uh, you know, one-person job or a one-employee uh, role that your campus then would consume. It's, it's kind of like a mindset. It starts with one person, and it certainly can, or one unit, but the goal is to have your entire ecosystem within your campus, all your uh, developers and end users, and subject matter experts really embracing this and leveraging this for the projects that they're working on. So that when you have you know website requests and projects coming from wherever on campus, that this kind of ecosystem is incorporated and somewhat ingrained into your culture for web and for IT and for communications from any aspect, whether it be centrally managed uh, from a lab or a center or even to a school or college. Mm -hmm. And that also wherever the request comes in, you've got this network of people who know how to funnel it to the right place. Exactly. So building in that knowledge of where these products live, who they're hosted by, or who has support for them, how you can get support, where documentation lives, as well as whether it's a good fit for your project or not. Um, you'll always have folks that bring you a project that says, I want a website that does X, Y, and Z. And that's all they know, and that's all they really need. And our job as folks who understand web in any sense of the word have to sort of come to the table with an understanding of what those needs are and how they translate into a web product, whether it be something like a content management system, whether it's WordPress or not, or whether it's something more simple or more complex. So tell us a little bit about what things look like at Georgia Tech, because you, you do work in the College of Engineering. You're not in a central IT unit or a central communications unit. So like, how how do these connections work on your campus? And I guess who's the focal point of them? Who's the person that's brought everything together and, and, and keeps the conversation going? Sure. So Georgia Tech is and has been traditionally since web has first really come up as a uh, as actual jobs here on campus and not just delegated to graduate students or to existing IT professionals has always been very much siloed or spread out between the uh, units on campus. So traditionally, we've always had 
um, folks spread out both within our central marketing and IT departments, as well as within each of our colleges and sometimes within even some schools within our colleges. And then, of course, we have separate entities on campus, such as our research institute who have web developers, as well as certain labs and centers that have the funding that are able to procure a full-time or half-time or shared position for a web developer. Now, uh, all these, so our ecosystem doesn't exactly involve all these folks. However, the folks that are building websites, we're beginning to see more cohesion between it because we are such a siloed institution. It's very difficult to get 100% of your folks on board with this, especially if, for example, our research institute, who handles a lot of the research for our campus and a lot of our major funding projects, tends to be a little insulated from the rest of campus. They're physically off of our campus. Um, it's quite a chore to get parking on campus. So commuting the uh, six or seven blocks through Midtown Atlanta to get to one of our meetings is somewhat difficult, especially with parking prices being the way they are. And more importantly, their job looks a lot different than ours. They're handling a lot more custom applications than web developers in the colleges or schools. What we found over time is that our school and college web developers have taken on more of a leadership role on campus. And a lot of that has to do with two things. First, our school and college web developers have taken leadership roles within community building here on campus. So we've been the primary point of contacts for, for example, the creation of our Georgia Tech Drupal Users Group and our Georgia Tech Webmasters Group. These are two organizations we build on campus, one for our primary content management system, which is Drupal, and the second one, our webmasters community, really being a catch-all for all other web development questions. And we built these communities because we did not have a central place on campus for web support and direction and best practices. And, and that's just, not, go just, ahead. Yeah, just for, just for context, about how many people participate in each of those groups? Uh, so for the Drupal users group, I believe we have about 90 to 95 folks. Uh, for folks that actually show up month to month, and these are like our subject matter experts, we tend to have 10 to 20 or so. Mm -hmm. And these are our web folks that provide support to our end users. And then, of course, the number fluctuates based on what the topic is and then what's going on on campus, whether we have a new rebrand, whether we have some new tools that are coming out. And then for our web developers, that one's a little bit smaller, more in the number of like 50, but those tend to take on more of our traditional web developers. So those were, for lack of a better word, um, our IT professionals who have been working uh, here at the Institute for a while that have taken on web development as part of their other duties as assigned. Mm -hmm. So they juggle web development along with 20 other jobs because it's part of what they have to do as IT professionals that are embedded within a school or college or within our institute somewhere. So you've got what sounds like a very healthy community um, in those two groups and in these conversations that are happening more broadly. Um, so I think I'm listening to this and thinking about the community on my campus and thinking about you know, when we have meetings for web developer co-working and we feel really good when 10 people show up and we know there are another 40 people out there who should be there, but aren't. So how do you, how do you grow a community like that? How, how do you go from a few people agreeing, yes, this is a good idea and getting it from that to a true like community of practice that is the go-to place for, for all of this in, in the web ecosystem? 
So we've actually done two things, and I forgot to mention the second source would be our central units on campus, so our central IT and communication departments. They've traditionally had web developers, but they've more been more internally focused than externally focused. One of the ways that we've been working to build our community on campus is by leveraging those groups, our IT and communication and marketing folks, to be able to embed our user group and help desk and community feedback as part of basically the workflow for working with a website, having website questions, creating a new website, starting a new website job. All these communities are built into that so that our each um, new project that's created here by let's say a faculty or staff member within a school or college becomes knowledgeable of those avenues for development, best practices, documentation, because we have folks in those central units who understand that and can pass along that knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so we leverage that as a great way to bring folks into the fold. Now, for growing community, really the best way that we here at Georgia Tech have found the way to do that is to by providing as many carrots or as many incentives as possible for bringing folks in. So we've always had requests throughout the last five years or so for open help desks and help sessions. So with Drupal being our co primary content management system, it's not a very wieldy content management system for doing basic page interactions. Something like a sidebar that may be very you know, easy to accomplish in WordPress, it can be done in Drupal, but it takes a couple more steps. And sometimes it's not as intuitive, both from the administrative interface as well as the language or lexicon that's used there. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what we do is bring on a lot of that hand-holding there and help bring in um, a lot of folks into that ecosystem and within that community by um, providing documentation, back practices, and those help sessions that allow folks to get the information that they need on questions they're coming with. Um, whenever you work into a content management system, no matter what the platform is, there is that learning curve. And I know a lot of folks, like myself, struggle with adapting to learning curve. I know I just got a new phone and I sat there for the first couple hours just sort of having to relearn all the muscle memory that I had from using my old Apple device. And now I have a new one that looks somewhat similar, but a lot of my actions I have to relearn or refigure out where this application or where this setting is. And at first you get frustrated. You're like, I, I should know this. This should be easy. But then you have to sort of get your mindset out of that idea of being frustrated and more as an opportunity for growth and learning. And that's kind of the approach that we've taken to it by providing many, many outlets for learning, whether it be those open help desks that we have to conducting user meetings monthly where we present things, as well as trying to leverage our other communities. So we have, for example, monthly meetings for both our communications folks on campus. So all the communicator, excuse me, communicators on campus have a once a month brown bag luncheon where they're able to learn about a topic. And then our IT folks have a once a month IT um, committee conference or uh, session where we're able to pass along information there. So both of those avenues help to sort of get the word out and build that community both within our own realm as well as within our other pockets on campus. I really like all of that. Um, I'm <laughs> as I'm, I'm making mental notes of things to listen to again that I can steal and try to implement on our campus. Uh, but I do have a question about, I mean, a lot of this takes time, right? This documenting, this, this putting yourself out there as a resource for newcomers and then also just as a, as a community making this decision that you're, you're going to be available and, and putting this information together. How, 
how do you balance that time? How do you, I guess, and first, how do you convince management that this is a worthwhile use of time, this, this holistic view of your campus, instead of just focusing on your silo and doing what your silo does really well? Um, and then, and then how do you balance that with all the other stuff that you have to do? Sure. So for the first question, how do you uh, sort of provide that rationale to your supervisor? I think a lot of that has to do with the work that you're already doing. So in a lot of our cases at Georgia Tech, writing documentation and helping out at these help desks are both opportunities for growth, that is to learn from your peers, as well as to sort of take uh, knowledge you've already learned and possibly knowledge that you've already written down and pass that on to the community. So it's sharing knowledge that you've already done as part of your work. So in um, the case of our documentation, a good majority of our existing wiki documentation on our website stems from documentation that was already written by our staff members and web developers through projects that they've been working on. So for example, every time I set up our central authentication through CAS, I wrote documentation for it and leveraged that documentation. So when it came time to start thinking more seriously about rewriting our entire documentation on our website, that was a great starting point for sort of leveraging uh, that existing documentation that was already part of one project or one job and repurpose it for a more general audience, which is passing it on to the entire campus, which of course means translating things like short code and uh, sort of superfluous language into something that's more human readable and mm -hmm. something that translate better so that someone doesn't have to have a Drupal dictionary in front of them to figure out what they need to know or a sysadmin uh, dictionary or even a WordPress dictionary. Trying to make it as simple as possible and cross-link between things. Mm -hmm. Now to encourage folks to come in and sort of open the floodgates to that, you know, we leverage a lot of those um, uh, same incentives there to provide folks an opportunity to give back to their community, whether it is, you know, to help their peers or to really learn new knowledge. Um, one of the great things that we've gained from doing this is actually bringing on uh, some additional web experts on campus whose primary jobs aren't to be web developers. We have a staff member whose primary job is actually working with safety research here on campus. And as part of the work she's had within a year or so, she's become one of our very knowledgeable, and I would say probably one of our best folks at leveraging um, plugins for Drupal to actually build out these great custom applications that otherwise would cost her unit a ton of money. So it's great to see that kind of success with community building where we can take someone who isn't very knowledgeable in web development because her jobs never required it and come up actually learning from the community and folks that have volunteered time simply because they've gotten the approval to be there and provide one hour support and answering emails in the morning to for her to become basically a subject matter expert in building workflow management within Drupal that has built an entire safety management system within a custom internet in her website, which is amazing. It saved her department a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And so you, uh, I think you spoke a little about this in your presentation in Hartford, but also in our notes back and forth, getting ready for this podcast, you talked a little about um, how, and you're speaking to this right now, how this isn't just a, a web dev problem. This is, this is something that, that is like, as, as you start to work on this bigger picture, it's something that can engage more and more, um, more and more stakeholders in your, institutional digital strategy. Um, so I, I guess that's maybe a, 
a lead into another another question, which is you have competing visions for what that strategy might be. Um, uh, there, you might have institutional branding policies, for instance, and you might have assets that can be shared like that. But when you start getting into questions of um, uh, what platforms to uh, to really embrace or what um, what development tools to teach in these in documentation and these learning opportunities and things like that, um, how do you uh, I don't know how do you balance all the different ideas coming into a community like that once you have this flow of ideas sure so georgia tech has actually experienced that very scenario with the creation of our wordpress multi-site so a lot of what you have to do there is basically listen to your community and then figure out what works best and by your community i'm both speaking to your central you know departments that have those stakeholders and expert expertise and almost vision there as well as your end users and what they're using so as Georgia Tech went through, we had a scenario three years ago that led to our uh, the creation of our uh, con uh, WordPress multi-user website, which was we currently don't have a way for someone to stand up a website that looks like Georgia Tech, that acts like Georgia Tech, and is easy to use within five to 15 minutes. And that was a bit of an issue because we started to see more and more websites come up um, in terms of requests and projects that we're getting uh, bogged down with the sort of nuances of uh, technical uh, issues, settings, things like setting up um, the central authentication. That was always a stickler, no matter what the content management system was. Mm -hmm. So we had two efforts, one from our uh, central communication office and one from the campus as a whole. Both were looking at the same problem and looking at it from different avenues, and there was an attempt, to, of course, to bridge those two thoughts, but there were different expectations from each. One was that a multi-site, that is one website uh, code base hosting a ton of websites, could work well for a bunch of our smaller use cases. On the other hand, um, a reusable component for individual websites that already has a lot of Georgia Tech components and sort of uh, campus expectations built in that can be reusable also works for a lot of our end users that are also doing custom work. Mm -hmm. And so basically we had two aspects um, of web development projects both tackling a similar problem which is helping reuse those Georgia Tech assets and the best practices and the logos in two different ways for two different platforms. So our central communication office ended up building a Drupal distribution which is basically uh, a pre-installed or pre-configured content management system that looks and acts like Drupal. And on our end from the schools and colleges, I within the College of Engineering partnered with um, my colleagues in the Ivan Allen College of uh, Liberal Arts, and we looked at basically what folks on campus are using for websites outside of what Georgia Tech provides. So we, uh, Georgia Tech is, at least here in the university system in Georgia, unique in that we provide free web hosting for whoever faculty, staff, member requests it. So we have a campus ecosystem that, you know, in the olden days was, you know, hosted 500, 1,000 WordPress sites that each of those were single installs managed by the staff or faculty member that was maintaining them. So we looked at it from two perspectives. We looked at it from the perspective of, hey, that's a problem because WordPress is a, uh, for lack of a better word, a very easy target for folks. 
it has updates. The update mechanisms may not be uh, enabled to do auto updates or to have plugins updated. And more importantly, it's widely used. So it's an easy target for folks to build exploits for. And then what we found is that, um, honestly, a lot of people were trying to reinvent the wheel. We were having labs and centers spend money on trying to do the Georgia Tech theme or build something that looks like the Georgia Tech theme, which is expensive and not entirely a good use of our time. Right. And so what we did from the school and college uh, perspective was to basically look at whether using something like WordPress, which a lot of our individual end users were already using outside of the Drupal ecosystem, or go with maybe a Drupal install, such as uh, there's another distribution within Drupal called Open Scholar, which basically is built for higher ed. Mm -hmm. And so we looked at these two solutions, and what we found is that WordPress just made sense for these simple websites. People aren't picking WordPress because of name recognition. They're, they're picking it because it, it works. It's easy. Uh, working with themes and plugins is drop-dead simple. It's the exact antithesis of Drupal. And so it works for those set it and forget it websites with the concern that all we need to do is figure out how to leverage that and build in the security and maintenance centrally so that these end users don't have to play sysadmin and web developer and have to deal with security updates and how to apply patches. So we basically took it upon ourselves to build a multi-site uh, on campus uh, using basically leveraging uh, each of our expertise in our schools so the Ivan Allen College of Liberal Arts basically managed the security side, uh, the system side, and building in some of the sort of basic plugins. And then from the College of Engineering side, which would be myself, um, me and another coworker worked on basically building out uh, the user experience, both from documentation to the pages to the workflow for creating a new website to what plugins are offered to what themes are offered to importing our Georgia Tech theme into WordPress so that it works without issue. Um, and so we took two different routes, both that WordPress multi-user and our Drupal install to do the same thing. But I think it, you know, uh, bared a lot of fruit. It reduced the complexity for most of our campus. And I would say probably a wide majority of our campus to get access to a website that just works. Now, there are two different needs, but I think both those needs were required and certainly a lot safer than where we were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that. I, I, I think that sounds perfect. I think that's, you know, you, you saw a need or a couple of needs and, and you found the tool that met that. Um, and that's really the way it should work. Uh, but a lot of the time on our campuses, it doesn't work that way. We, we've talked about uh, being siloed in, in different teams working on different projects and not communicating. Um, how do you, I guess there, there's some value in that siloing too. Like the, sure. the, the team that I work on, um, we almost exclusively work in WordPress every now and then we do other stuff. I mean, everybody in higher ed does other stuff, but, um, in terms of the projects that we, we take on for campus, they're always WordPress projects. And that means that we have a pretty deep knowledge of, um, of, uh, what's what's possible to do in wordpress and um and how to like how, how to get as, as much as we possibly can out of that application how do you balance this this becoming an expert in one thing um and if we if we look beyond wordpress you know there are people on campuses who are 
PeopleSoft experts for their campus portals or whatever. And you sort of have to be an expert to use PeopleSoft. Um, there are people who are experts in, uh, in Drupal, certainly in their learning management systems. How do you, how do you balance this push to have deep knowledge of one thing or one application with um, having that, that broader awareness to be able to know when that's not right and, and this sort of need to know a little bit about everything at least. Sure. So to answer your first part of your question, I think, you know, working with a solid institution means that you have to sort of work with what the competing interests are if they exist. So in this case, you know, if there's a unit that d is not um, responsive to your ideas or to, for example, a project that you're working on, let the results of the project speak for itself. You know, at the end of the day, there's only so much you can do if you're emailing and calling and having meetings and work isn't getting done or progress isn't being made. Sometimes the best way to show it is results. And we had that case at Georgia Tech. You know, WordPress was very much a scary word when I first started here. It was a content management system that, of course, has its reputation from how it's being used across um, the web in general. And there are positive and negative things to it. There are positive things in how it works. There are negative things in terms of how people keep it secure and how folks keep up to date with it. But really, I think it, the most important thing is to have a project and almost like a, a case study that you can point to to be like, this is the reason why it works. And for us at Georgia Tech, our WordPress multi-user or multi-site was that success. The proof that, hey, Drupal isn't the best for everything and that we can do a lot if we just take our knowledge that we already know and turn it just slightly. We already have a lot of knowledge in Drupal, but that doesn't mean that we don't have knowledge in WordPress or that we can't translate it into WordPress. Mm -hmm. And speaking more importantly to your second point, I think what we're finding out within web development in general, and we see this from a lot of what a lot of our uh, peers outside of higher ed is doing, is that we're starting to see work be a lot less about the platform and more about the stack or more about the set of tools that allows you to complete the project. We're starting to see ideas of decoupled WordPress and decoupled Drupal and Drupal or a content management system is just a data repository and then you leverage other tools to handle out how the actual content is displayed and so you know eventually we're going to run into this issue no matter what our role is as long as we're working in the web development where our expertise is going to have to be a bit broader across the entire web spectrum rather than to be focused on one aspect of web, whether it be content man management system or just CSS or just JavaScript, being able to take that knowledge that we already know and sort of reappropriate it or at least apply it in a different realm to a different aspect of what we're doing. And I think what we're starting to find is that even in higher ed, we're starting to see more almost uh, DevOps kind of work requiring that we take that more agile approach to learning new technologies and to sort of streamline what we're doing. I know that the move of a lot of institutions to cloud hosting sort of provides that scaffolding for folks to pick up things like repository management and revisioning mm -hmm. to best practices for coding and for uh, uh, staging for the websites and so I think that you know learning different tools and sort of expanding your knowledge outside of being stuck within one different realm can be a little scary but it's almost the direction that our community and our uh, 
in work environment is really going. So it sort of helps and leans more towards to a web ecosystem because we're preparing for that sort of decentralized uh, stack thought process of web development where we have a number of different tools that can be leveraged in particular ways to get an end result. And what that means is that we have to be a lot more flexible and agile in um, both how we learn things and how we apply that to our projects. Not an easy thing, and it's not something that happens overnight. But building a web ecosystem and actually having this you know, distributed knowledge on a number of issues and sort of fo not forcing, but encouraging your web developers across campus to experiment, to learn new technology, sort of prepares for that paradigm shift that's coming. Right. Well, I mean, as you were saying all that, it made me it made me think about, I guess, this whole history of what websites at an academic institution look like. And, you know, we, we we're sort of living all of those points of that timeline at the same time, like like 1997, everybody, every department, every professor builds their own static HTML website versus now this more and more DevOps sort of sort of culture and you know everything in between and we're you mentioned earlier the the static html websites they're sort of your legacy websites and they're still out there we're sort of living all of these moments at the same time and and this ecosystem way of thinking is i think i think you're right it's a it's a way of preparing for what's next and bringing it all together um yeah i i don't know that that was a question i'm just no, you're you're very right because, you know, higher education is unique in that we have the best way I would describe it would be legacy applications or legacy websites that have just sort of existed and have been sitting, for example, on a server that may not be known to a lot of folks but has existed for, let's say, a decade or so. So for some of my talks last week, I found a website um, from a faculty member that was last updated in 1998, and it's still visible today. These websites mm -hmm. aren't gone, and of course there may be some value in bringing that up to the 21st century. Now that doesn't mean that we look at a content management system for a website that is three pages, but maybe providing the tools to make an old legacy website like that more up to date with our branding standards so that we don't have a website from 1998 that looks like 1998. That right. can still have the same content, but a little bit cleaner or a little bit fresher so that from the perspective outside of web developers, that when a prospective graduate student goes to that faculty's website, they know that the faculty member actually has a website that's up to date and not a website that's you know 10 to 15 years out of date in terms of look. It may be updated, but if the faculty member's not updating the last line of the page saying the last time it was updated, how are they supposed to know? Right. And so it's, you know, it's one of those fun things about working in higher education is that we do have the opportunity to work throughout the timeline of the web. And I think what we see coming up sort of gives us sort of pause to sort of reflect on where that's going to take us and what we have to do to prepare for that. And moving towards web development more is kind of like a um, sort of tool set where we select whatever the best practices for that job is eventually going to come here whether we like it or not. The question is how we prepare ourselves and our community for it so that our web developers and our experts are well equipped to handle that because a lot of our web developers, you know, honestly come from different backgrounds. Um, I'm very fortunate in that, you know, I came with a computer science background, but a lot of our experts on campus you know, come with non-computer science backgrounds. And as we move to more 
heavy-duty coding standards, there may need to be some additional um, scaffolding or knowledge that comes into there for folks to understand more object-oriented programming, which is a chore. It was a chore for me to learn. I remember mm -hmm. watching all that when I was in college and just being stunned, and it still sometimes excites me and scares me on what you can do with it. <laughs> but as we move to that more decentralized and almost like a tool-based approach for building websites, we're going to have to consider how to build out that knowledge so someone can take what they already know as a Drupal or a WordPress developer and apply it to something scary like Symfony or to Twig and sort of go one step further to something that's a bit more abstracted and a bit more um, low level and sort of build their way back up to competency in that area. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk very briefly about scaling um, all of these ideas. So I, I'm at a big school and you're at a big school and that's, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you is because you have maybe answers that I can steal. But um, there are a lot of people in higher ed who are not at big schools. We were just at Hyatt Web earlier this month, and uh, you know, you you have people who are involved in massive undertakings, and you have people who are more traditional webmasters at a tiny liberal arts college. Um, but they're still running into the same challenges that that we're running into just on on the scale of their universities. So how how does this ecosystem concept scale to uh, to a team of one or a team of a few people, each of whom have their their skill set and each of whom do you know completely different things and don't really think of themselves as, as existing in the same ecosystem? Sure. So I think the the major strategy there is to sort of set your expectations for what your team can realistically do. At the end of the day, there's only so much bandwidth that a smaller team on a campus can do. Now, of course, you know, for certain projects, things like a WordPress multi-site, you know, we here at Georgia Tech were able to do that with more or less one and a half persons devoting their time to that. Um, full time for you know a month or two. Now th those kinds of successes can be one. The bigger successes, you know, with the smaller team, you kind of have to set your sights accordingly. And this is where I note that you could also reach out to your larger institutions and see what they've done and see what you can take from them. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for a smaller institution, be able to sort of leverage some of those wins without having to invest all that time into it or all that um, build up, ramp up time take those successes and take that, you know, it, if not a completed product, then components of it and repurpose it for what you need. So instead of having to relearn the wheel, have sort of a starting point, much like when you learn a new programming language. You don't learn by opening a book and starting on page one. You learn by finding a simple project and sort of looking at code that's already been uh, uh, submitted for a template or a project or a scenario and sort of working through how it works and trying to reconfigure it for what you need. Sort of taking that expertise that's already existed out in the field and sort of repurposing it and making it your own. And I think you just made a great plug for organizations like WP Campus and Hyatt Web and all of these other places that you can turn to to, to reach out to um, other people who have maybe encountered the same problem before. So. Yeah, I mean, all of us have our successes, our failures, our challenges, and you know what we wish we could have done. And the best thing that we can do as folks who have already completed these kinds of projects is pass that on to uh, institutions and web developers that haven't or that are in the midst of it to be able to provide our feedback and, in some cases, resources or documentation that can help sort of shape what other institutions do or at least provide some direction or even a case study. 
those are all wins in our book. And for smaller institutions and for smaller colleges, you know, the, a lot of these are um, sort of cautionary tales on what you can and cannot do and sort of gives you uh, the ability to sort of have a pseudo larger team by leveraging what your peers are doing without having to get your hands dirty, without mm -hmm. having to get your feet wet and jumping into something by looking at what's been evaluated from your peers and then making a conscious decision based on that. So really, I think the main takeaway there is to be more tight knit. And you're right, having these communities of practice allow us to share those um, expertise and thoughts and experiences um, virtually and asynchronously so we can have that continued dialogue and conversation without having to do phone calls or without just our email thread. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So let's let's try to wrap things up a little bit with, I guess, your one takeaway. Um, if, you know, if I'm... If I'm somebody who who wants to start thinking about about my campus in more of an ecosystem, web ecosystem sort of way, um, what's your one takeaway to get me started? To get you started, I think the key takeaway there is to look at what your institution is currently doing for web, both in terms of your web developers and your non-web developers, and see if there's a case that can be made for a pilot study or a change that could be made that could have wide-reaching impl implications for your campus. And this is sort of like your proof of concept. So taking a challenge that you've had on campus that no one may be working with or no one has thought about to pick up and trying to build an easy win there that you can leverage to sort of build an idea of sort of uh, more reasonable components on your campus and the idea of that one content management system doesn't rule them all. Um, if you look around your web ecosystem and your web environment as you find it today, you'll find that if you haven't embraced this, that you're likely very structured and very disorganized. Folks are doing a lot of things in different, a lot of the same things in different ways. And so somewhere within that mess of websites and web applications and projects, there's likely uh, going to be the sort of like golden egg of a project that, you know, or a need that's being um, met in different ways that you could find some value in doing one way or providing a lot of scaffolding or help to do a particular way. And those easy wins can go a long way, both in terms of winning over your web developers, uh, your executive and leadership and management, as well as making your campus a more friendly base and place for both new web developers and old web developers, as well as non-web developers as they try to jump into all things web as we start to see more and more folks pick up web development as part of their job. Well, Eric, thank you so much for talking to me about this. Um, I have a lot of things that I'm thinking about and a lot of poorly worded questions that you did wonderfully with. So um, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, if we want to reach out to you with questions, what's the best way to find you on the web? So thank you for having me. And the best way to do that would be to go to my website. It's honestly the easiest way to find my contact information. And that is webbeh.com. So that's webbeh.com. All right. Uh, a few notes before we finish up. Um, uh, the WP Campus 2018 hosting application, uh, I think when I'm going to post this, it will have just closed. So um, watch out for announcements for the 2018 conference. I know there are some great schools that have applied. Um, in the meantime, WP Campus Online is back this January. Uh, the free one-day online conference will be on Tuesday, January 30th, 2018. Um, and if you want to speak, and you should, uh, you can uh, go ahead and 
uh, apply to speak at the call for proposals at online.wpcampus.org. Um, and that will be open until November 10th. Um, Eric, are you going to apply to speak at WP Campus Online? I may have already applied. You may have already applied. All right. Um, just a reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and on Google Play by searching for WP Campus Podcast. And you can listen to each episode and follow links to more information uh, at wpcampus.org slash podcast. And I'll be posting a link to Eric's slides from Hyatt Web and a few other useful links uh, in the posting for this episode. Be sure to follow at WPCampusOrg on Twitter for announcements and also for news and updates about this podcast, about the WP Campus community, and anything and everything else, WordPress and higher ed. If you have a suggestion for this podcast, tweet it at WPCampusOrg and we will see it. So, Eric, thank you so much. Thank you.